What is up, you beautiful human? Hello and welcome back to the Raw, Real and Vulnerable podcast with me, your host, Beck Antonucci. Sam, another week done in beautiful Bali and personally, I have gone on my own internal roller coaster and I literally feel like I'm at the place of this massive awakening that is occurring within me around so many things that I have felt so conflicted about and really I'm going to create a solo pod about this because I have been in this fucking internal tug of war and the work that I have been doing to be able to cut that fucking rope and create this sensation of spaciousness and clarity. It's like my soul has been fucking begging for this for so long. I can't wait to record an episode on this for you. But today, this is not at all about that. Today, I've actually got Lewis Huckstep on the podcast. And guys, I'm not going to go into too much about who he is and what he does because we really cover that so well together at the start of the episode. But I decided to get Lewis on the pod today because he's really so different to other guests that I have had on. He's so fucking masculine and logical and I love that about him. Lewis primarily works in the leadership space and particularly with high achievers. We dive so deep into relationships though. I know, interesting, someone that specializes in working with leaders and high achievers, but we dive so deep into the ins and outs of a relationship. I find it so fascinating. If you've listened to an episode in the past on triggers and trauma and your own healing journey, and you know that you actually have some work to do around this, don't we all? But you've never really resonated with something before to really inspire you to really want to go there. This episode could literally be the one that changes your life. I really encourage you to keep your ears pricked because together, Lewis and I, we pretty much move into a life's coaching session together as we explore why you get triggered and how to overcome your triggers. I encourage you to either keep your iPhone notes handy if you're on your device and or if you're sat down, even better, get out a fucking pen and paper and jot down some of the practices that we dive into because you're going to be able to implement these practices, very logical, very simple, very tangible, very implementable into your own life so that you can work through the triggers that are showing up for you or even the judgments that you currently hold about yourself, your friends, your peers, your family, or your partner. This episode is a tiny bit longer than our usual episode, but Lewis and I unpack something really interesting towards the end. Lewis is in an open relationship with his fiance, which as you listen to the start of the episode may surprise you, but we talk about how their relationship has integrated being open in a powerful, integral, and respectful way. We dive into why they have done it, and we dive into the boundaries that they have set as a couple to make sure that this is something that strengthens their relationship rather than takes away from it. Like I said, fam, this is one hell of an episode that you do not want to miss. If you love it, please share it. Share it to your story. Tag me, tag Lewis, so that we can both connect with you. Strap yourself in, fam. Let's fucking go. Oh, I am sitting here in this beautiful co-working space in Subiaco, West Australia. That funny story, I actually had to jump the fence to break into, even though I didn't break into the front door, but I did jump the fence to get into. But either way, I'm here, I've got my boots on and I'm sitting with an incredible man, Lewis Steb. Welcome to Raw, Real and Vulnerable. Thank you for having me and I'm proud of the commitment that you have to your podcast of jumping that fence. So thank you for having me. Not just a podcast to you and to Dom who I had before. I'm like, I'm never late. And I stood there at the gate thinking, well, do I reschedule them? I hate reschedules. I was like, come on, Rebecca, think outside of the box. I was like, I can fucking jump this fence. I'm strong enough. Let's go. 
bang, and here we are. And so we're here, and I know I ask every guest at the start of every podcast what is hot on your heart to dive into today, and you specifically said healing relationship through our triggers. So number one, before we even dive into all things relationship triggers and relationship healing, who is Lewis Huxtep and what is it that you do in the world? Uh, I don't know about you when you get asked this question. I kind of answer it different every time, but it's always like... Um, who do I feel like being today? <laughs> yeah, who, do I, who am I today? But I guess in this moment, I'm just the guy who's chasing his dreams and helping people along the way. He's someone who started life with a lot of challenges mentally, emotionally, spiritually, diagnosed with Asperger's, autism, ADHD. Came from an emotional, volatile upbringing with mum and dad. Found, uh, a, I guess, sanctuary through sports. That was something I was uh, gifted at and something I was good at. So, enjoyed that. Contracted professionally when I was younger to the age of about between 12 and 18. Got into business around 18. Lost the passion for the sports, rugby league for anyone that's curious about that. And yeah, just got into the business world. I loved it. When I opened the Pandora's box of self-development, I absolutely loved it. Like went down all the rabbit holes, went down the Tony Robbins, went down the Gary Vee, went down the Joe Dispenza, the John Martini, Wayne Dyer, and it just kept coming and kept coming. So I really loved that. Uh, went down the fitness industry, was there for about 10 years. I'm still technically in the fitness industry. I opened up three studios by the age of 23. Uh, sold two of them since. I've got one at the moment. I'm looking to sell that within 10 days. So 10th of July is when we're aiming for to have the third one done. So keen to wrap up that chapter. And the whole time, I've just loved coaching people. I'll bring people down for a health and fitness consult. We'll end up unpacking everything together and having these huge breakthroughs and healing all this stuff. So I really enjoyed that. I was always magnified to it. It's always been a gift of mine to hold space for people, to help people feel seen, to be heard, to be loved, to help people get clear on their purpose, their vision and yeah, I guess do the inner work. And um, I know that question you asked, what's on my mind? And I had this question, I was on a podcast last week and the guy asked me, why do you do content or relationships? Is that what you do? And I said, not necessarily. My work shows up the most in relationships and that's where you get triggered the most, where they reveal those wounds you haven't healed through. So at the moment, I am working with people in a leadership role, whether they're a business owner or they're just in a position in their career where they want to grow, they're leading others, they want to be a better leader for themselves, for their family, for their team, for their clients, for their business. Uh, but a lot of the work that I do will show up in their relationship. And hence, when you ask the question, that's just what's been on my mind lately. I, I've been exploring my journey and healing my stuff still. So yeah, that's kind of what I do. I help people work on themselves personally to help them in every area of life. A rising tide raises all boats. So the more healed, whole, present, authentic you are, business gets better, relationships get better, friendships get better, everything gets better. So that's kind of what I do. Fuck yes. You're like a busy man. You're very direct and you're masculine. And you know, when someone asks you what you do and two years later, someone's still talking, I feel yeah. like I know everything about you in a few sentences and I'm like, you're an impressive man. So why relationships? I guess like why relationships? Um, the work shows up the most in it. I post this quote quite frequently. You will do more spiritual and personal growth in an intimate relationship more than anything else. Like there's no fucking plant medicine ceremony or there's no counselor or therapist session that will give you more growth mm. or opportunity for growth than being in a real intimate relationship. And why is that? That's the question, right? Well, we all have triggers, we all have things we haven't healed or processed through. You can call them traumas, you can call it judgment, you can call it wounds. 
And we all have them. And I always say, like, if you have a cut on your arm, you touch it, it triggers you, it shocks you. But when you're in an intimate relationship, they see more sides to you than anyone else. Like, we've met before, Beck, you've come on my podcast. We've met each other again today. Like, we've only seen so many sides to each other, right? You're a very vulnerable person and so am I, but I won't see you when you're really super stressed or you're super overwhelmed or you're being silly or playful or giggly or whatever. Like, there's only so many sides we're going to see of each other just because we don't spend that much time with each other, right? But when you're living with someone and they see you when the toilet breaks, when the sink's not working, when the washing machine breaks down, when they're super stressed, they haven't gotten enough sleep, they're feeling bloated, they're sick, they're vomiting in the toilet, they see all these versions of you. And just because of that proximity, they're going to shine light or awareness because that's where a trigger comes from. Someone puts awareness or consciousness on something that you haven't integrated yet, you haven't healed yet. And just by that proximity, they're going to trigger those things in you. And that's where if you have the right tools and awareness and consciousness to heal through it, that's when the work is beautiful. Like I say, whatever triggers you the most will heal you the most because when you're triggered, it's revealing where it is. So it's like, great, I've got awareness now so I can look within and I can actually do that searching, healing work, whatever modalities you use, whether it's breath work or somatic healing or uh, my style is more analytical style of, of healing or balancing perceptions. But they're just gifting you with all these like, hey, look, There's something to heal here. Let's go heal it. And if you can be in a beautiful relationship where you can both hold space for each other to feel seen, heard, loved unconditionally to actually work through that, oh my God, you'll do more growth in that environment more than anywhere else, in my opinion anyways. So for yourself personally, have you navigated many huge relationship challenges to create this intense desire to want to gift this healing modality to others? Look, I think my beliefs is your your values in life come from your biggest wounds and voids from your life. So like, I had a lot of wounds around my emotions, my mindset, my my relationships, to your point, like a lot of challenging relationships. I was very socially awkward. That was a, a trait of someone with Asperger's and someone who struggled to communicate. So I had pain with my relationship with my dad. That was my most painful relationship. He gave me my greatest gifts because of the pain that he gifted me with. So those were some of the painful relationships that planted the seeds for me I guess that would sprout later on in my life now. And then obviously going through it myself, like going through a relationship. Now I've been with my partner coming up to four years now, and that's still short in the big scheme of things. But with someone who's got the level of awareness that we both have, like we don't push it under the rug. If something shows up, it might not be the right time then and there if it's in public or we're out for dinner or something like that to unpack it there and then. But we earmark, we bookmark everything. Like we say, hey, look, baby, look, obviously not the right time for this right now, but let's discuss this. Let's unpack this at a later time. And we're constantly doing that to each other. Whenever I do something and I snap and I go into my wounds and I get triggered, like once the dust is settled, of course, we work through that and she holds me to that and vice versa in a healthy way, in the right environment. But yeah, like the the seeds that were planted for me when I was younger, because those pain points and for anyone listening, your greatest pain gives you your greatest purpose. Your greatest pain gives you your greatest values. So like I had a lot of pain around communication and pain around friendships and pain around relationships. So that's why it's important to me to this day. I had pain around wealth. Like we didn't have money for food sometimes. I remember going to school without lunch sometimes from where I'm from. I had friends' houses where you wouldn't flush the toilet unless you did a number two in the toilet. So that's like the background I've come from. So wealth was painful. So wealth is important. And that's where pain becomes purpose, wounds become wisdom. I'm a big fan of like the quotes, but then actually explaining the the context of the quotes, like life's happening for you, not to you. Well, I got fucking raped. How does that apply? Well, let's work through that and let's do that together. So that's kind of why I've gone down this pathway. I didn't set out with the, I'm going to be a relationship coach and I don't call myself one either. I'm a mindset coach, leadership coach. I work generally with leaders, like I said. 
But the work that we do, like we're working on business strategy and then your partner triggers the shit out of you, well, let's heal through that, which will actually improve your business, which will improve your career, which will improve your team. You can only lead others to the depth that you've led yourself. What does that mean? How deep have you gone within and explored and uncovered and healed yourself? That Mm -hmm. depth will give you the strength and distance of how you can lead others and your business, Mm -hmm. your career, your kids and your relationships and all the above. Mm, Amazing question for you. You've referenced your Asperger's diagnosis many times. I actually had quite a few clients who are in relationship with male partners who have Asperger's. Can you share with us what it is and how it impacts you and your experience of yourself and your experience of relationship? Yeah, look, because of the pain around that, I've got very strong beliefs around labeling people Mm -hmm. around like you have this, you are this. Mm -hmm. It's like if you believe you're depressed, like the strongest force in the human psychology is to stay consistent with how we see ourselves and define ourselves. So if you Mm -hmm. see yourself as this person, it's like Mm -hmm. um, a common NLP tool is like Tony Robbins does all the time. He says, look for red, look for red, look for red, close your eyes, look for blue. And you'll find things that are there that aren't even there. You'll find something that's kind of orange, call it red. You're Something that's kind of ish blue, call it blue, right? So I'm very conscious of labels, but like I think I Googled the definition not too long ago because, like, what is the definition of it, anyways? But it's just like certain traits that you have, like very quirky, very rigid, has to be in structure, um, struggles to understand human connection, human communication. So for me, I don't believe it's a condition. I just believe it's patterns, right? It's just your personality type, like someone who's more creative thinking versus someone who's more rigid and structured thinking. Like they're just different sort of personality types and different ways of thinking. So that's why I guess my general belief around it, how's it impacted? It impacted in a negative way when I believed it, right? Kind of like I just said before, if you believe it's a limiting thing, you will make it a limiting thing. So for me, it's one of my, if not my greatest gifts, because I see things differently. So I can mm. see things that people don't see. So I can do things that people don't do. So I'll have things that people don't have. So if you look at it through that lens, it's fantastic. Something with me, like, well, this is definitely a trait of it. My humor is really weird. I don't really laugh at too many things. So it's hard to get me, me and Georgia went in that. That's my fiance. We're watching like a comedy show and I, I wasn't really laughing. And maybe you'll relate to this with the work that you do, Beck. It's like when people make jokes about themselves where they really shit on themselves, mm. I'm like, Where's the truth in that joke? My coach comes into mind and I start to unpack it. So there's a gift in it. Like I remember I was playing a game of cards. I won't mention the person I was playing with. Oh, he probably won't listen to this, but we were just playing a game of cards and um, it was around Christmas time. And it was one of my brother's mates and he was at the table and I, I've known him since high school because he's been friends with my brother for a long time. And he was just like making fun of himself and he was like calling himself overweight. He's a fat slob. He's so lazy. And he was just like calling himself all these like pretty hectic names. But he was doing it in a way to make people laugh. It was a joke. And I asked him directly, I said, hey, man, has it ever occurred to you that you give yourself shit to make other people laugh and to connect with people? And he kind of like, oh, he's like, oh, shit. I said, and like nothing wrong with that, but where's the truth in what you're saying right now? So like that's a trait. Like I don't really get humor, but on the flip side, it lets me actually unpack and see things for the way that they are or look a little bit deeper under the surface. So I guess another trait of it, my mum's told me about this, like I was just super structured, I super rigid. If things weren't the way that I wanted them, I'd freak out. I should say if my wheat bix weren't made a certain way with a certain amount of milk with a certain amount of whatever. I can't remember this. This is like when I was very, very young. I would freak out and I'd hate it. So by definition, I'm very structured. Like if you look at my calendar, everything's scheduled in. This podcast is scheduled in. My next calls are scheduled in. My training scheduled in time with my partner scheduled in so that you could say a downside to me is i'm not that spontaneous that is definitely a downside of me i don't like hey let's just go fucking travel right now i'm like hang on let's plan this out let's do this let's do a b c d so 
I think that's a that's definitely an up and a downside to me is is the structure side. The humor, like I said, is probably a side of me that I get from that. Are you open to sharing that impacts your relationship, your intimate relationship? And I definitely understand the gift because even though in two very different vehicles, I know you've had me on your podcast and we dove into the Herbies thing and you didn't understand it and I totally align with the not labeling and all of those things, turning it into a gift. For me, it, People don't understand what I'm talking about on the internet and I'll sometimes write a comment in a viral Facebook thread and I'll write, Herbie's was the best thing to ever happen to me. And people will just go, how and tolls like not understanding it? Even though I haven't lived your experience, I know through my experience, this can be such a powerful gift that until you've had it embodied, it broke through and free from it, it is such a powerful tool and a weapon in our pocket. I'm really curious how it impacts your intimate relationship with your fiancé. I haven't really asked that question or thought about that question. So I think because we have the environment of safety in our relationship where we can be our inner child, we always say we're very weird with each other. Like we are very weird, playful kids with each other. Yeah. So look, I, I think like everything I just kind of said would flow over. I've got structure with her. And don't get me wrong for people that are like, oh my God, this guy's such a rigid black and white dude. Like get some freedom, schedule in freedom. When my weeks get too busy with calls, I just schedule a day to myself. And it's I just do whatever I feel like doing in that moment. So yeah, I think for me with her, it's just been able to allow her to shine lights on those weird quirky parts of me or things that I'm not aware of. And that was the mirroring part that we we're talking about before, how we shine those lights upon each other. I still have a lot of things I'm healing through and that's why I'm so passionate about mm-hmm. these sides of things. So she does see those sides to me that not many people get to see. That weird, funny, playful, obviously she sees the stress, the overwhelm, the focus, the discipline side of me as well. So yeah, I can't really say it, it, the traits I'm referring to show up that much that I can obviously consciously look at anyways. But yeah, we have time structured in together. We do date nights every fortnight and we have spontaneous ones when they pop up and weekends together. We have a lot of fun together. We really let our inner childs come out and have fun and play with each other. I guess to that point, like I mentioned, I- I'm not sure if you relate to this, Beck, with the work that you do, trying not to coach your partner all the time and trying not to always like, be on their back and coach them. So that's something that I've definitely had to be conscious of with her. And I know men generally have this challenge as well as trying not to problem solve, problem solve, problem solve, yeah, learning point. just to hold space. So that's been definitely a hard learning curve for me. Uh, mm-hmm. I feel like I've gotten a lot better. I feel like there's definitely some room to improve on that area for me as well. Jake sounds very similar to you in many ways. He's rigid, he's structured, he's time-managed. So when it comes to your intimacy, are you willing to be spontaneous or is that also very structured, very set, very scheduled? A bit of both. Sometimes she'll come into the office and she's like, you got 30 minutes? I'm like, yeah, why? She's like, come to the bedroom with me. Like she'll just randomly do that. So sometimes stuff like that happens. On the other side of that, when I do have big weeks, it is important to schedule it in. And some people say that's not sexy, that's not spontaneous, but you got to do what you got to do depending on your work level, depending on your productivity and your, your level of time management that you've got. I'm with lots of relationship coaches who have said one of the keys to a successful, healthy, long-term relationship is scheduling in sex. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that because if you don't, it you're caught up with other things. Yes, it's nice when it's like very Hollywood and very in the moment. It just flows into X, Y, Z. I think to be vulnerable with you, something that just came to mind as we were talking about that, probably one of the hardest ones for me is in the bedroom to actually switch off, like trying to actually be present and get out of my head. That's probably, to answer your previous question, that's probably been one of the harder ones for me is get out of my head in the bedroom and be in my body, be in my heart, be present, not be trying thinking about what to do, how to please her, how to do the next position, blah, 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 very head rather than just flowing with it. So that's been probably one of the harder ones for me, but 
Yeah, a bit of both. Something we're huge on is actually giving ourselves space to live our own lives. We are individuals and we fill our own cups up. We prioritize our own needs, our own wants, our own values, and we give each other unlimited space to do that. So then we are two full individual souls who come together to then grow and prosper even further. So yeah, we do schedule a lot of it in, but sometimes the magic happens. Mm, Love it. So when people come to you around their relationship triggers or their relationship dissatisfaction, why do you feel or do you feel to begin with that we're just not taught how to be powerful in the face of partnership? Look, I think we aren't taught it, like first and foremost, like you said. So most people just avoid the work because it's, it's scary. Most people don't look within. Something I've found working with so many like higher achievers and leaders is they hide their wounds behind their achievements. And that's something that's been coming a very, very apparent to me. And you're not in your head and you because maybe you can relate to that a little bit. Actually, from your story, that's very much like you actually from having you on my podcast is if we achieve, 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 we'll get love, we'll be good enough or whatever. And there's nothing wrong with that. I always ask the question, what's the fuel behind it? So what's the fuel behind the success, right? Are we doing it from an embodied, spiritual, whole place and we're inspired to chase? Or are we like, fuck, I'm such a useless, not worthy piece of shit and I will feel better by achieving all this money and success and girlfriends and boyfriends and sex and relationships. So I'll come back to your question, but I think People don't like doing the work because it's emotional, it's scary, emotions come up, shit that you don't want to unpack is there. And most people know there's stuff there. They're just head in the sand, essentially. But I guess to your question about relationships is you can't hide from it. That's the part why I, I say the work shows up the most in here because you can't hide from it. Say you and me bump into each other and like I say something to piss you off and you give me the finger, you say, fuck you, who are you? Like We might not ever see each other again. That's cool. Get out of here. Don't have to address whatever's come up just then. You're living with someone. It's like you, you can't hide. You can't just like, well, most people do. They just bottle it up and sweep it under the rug. And then eventually it just becomes too much and it explodes into this huge arguments that we have until you hit a threshold when someone leaves. But if you don't ever address all of those underlying problems, you're going to get into another relationship. The same fucking thing's going to happen. And that's where you see people. And I've still got friends from high school that have just keep getting into relationship, turns to shit. They blame their partner. They get into another one. Same thing happens. This is where you're actually attracting the very thing that you haven't worked through. I I use a quote all the time. You attract people and circumstances to reveal the wounds we haven't healed through. So you're always attracting someone to shine that light on you. Until you learn and heal through it, that's where the triggers come from. But until you actually heal it, you will attract another one with a different face, with a different name, with a different persona, but it's the same lesson. Another quote that comes to mind is you repeat problems until you learn the lesson it's there to teach you. So that's where I guess it shows up in relationships. People don't want to do it because it's emotional and they probably don't have the tools, right? Because we don't get taught this stuff. We don't get taught like, okay, what is a trigger? What is a trauma? What is our reactions to it? How do we process There's a book behind me called You're Not Broken by Dr. Sarah Woodhouse. Really good book if you guys want to read her book. And she talks about uh, triggers, traumatic reactions, and traumas. And she also talks about that trauma is unprocessed memories. That's all it is. That was actually very empowering when I heard that. I'm like, yeah, that's actually so true. It's just something hasn't been processed yet. But then the question is, how do you process it? And that's where my skills and my talents have come in, where I've got a system and a process where step by step by step, we process whatever it is. And that's where you get to that point where you see the divine order, you see the gratitude, you see the love of what has actually happened for you. How has Viktor Frankl, that many people are aware of, man's search for meaning, like how can he go through a concentration camp for two and a half, three years? How can he have his brother, mother, father, partner all killed in a gas chamber in a concentration camp in World War II? How can he go through all of that, be a rare survivor, 
and come out with gratitude and inspiration to help others. How can you do that? It's seeing the greater divine order. Yes, pain is a part of life. Suffering is optional, but it's been able to see how that pain does give you purpose, how those wounds do give you wisdom, but without the right awareness and the right consciousness and tools and strategies, which is where I come into things, or someone like me, there's many people like me out there. I would say people just don't do it because they don't have all of those tools and awareness and whatever, and it's scary, it's emotional, it's, I don't want to do it, I'm fucked up, and Mm -hmm. they don't want to do it. So that's why probably most people don't do it. It is that time again, but is it your time now? Are you ready to unlock the most fully expressed you? This August, join me and my incredible support team as we support you to break free from shame, break through unworthiness, and connect so deeply within to the truth of who you are so that you create the internal safety to express and be yourself courageously in this world. True Transformation is my signature 10-week group coaching program designed to support you to heal from your past and live your life authentically and expressively so that you can experience the world from a deep sense of aliveness, alignment, and you embodied in your unique fire. Want to join us? Head to the link in my show notes and apply today. I love it. And I love how clearly you explain things because it's so digestible, so easy to receive. So you spoke about the consciousness, the tools, the process to be able to support ourselves to move through it. I've shared with you that predominantly my audience is female. A lot of us desire a conscious, aligned, committed partner. And then he comes and all of our shit flies to the surface because he wasn't fucking Aladdin and we're not Jasmine flying off on the carpet, living happily ever after. And now we're looking yeah. at this person that we thought was meant to be our dreams come true. And emotionally, we're going through all of this turmoil as all the triggers arise. So yeah. he does something, we're just engaging with each other, the trigger hits. What is the consciousness, the tools, the process are you willing to share with us to support us to navigate that experience? Beautiful question. I just mentioned I filmed a podcast with my partner two days ago and we actually do this. So me and my partner, we do a podcast every six, 12 months and sort of update our relationship, what's working, new boundaries, new communication tools, what are we healing through? And we actually use a live example. And my partner was in Georgia and uh, she happily shared. So I'm, I'm happy to share this one with you guys. We had one recently. We had one probably three weeks ago. So I had a really hectic day. I'd flown to, I think, Sydney or something, had come back, had podcasts, had clients. Had, I just had a huge day. It's like, baby, I'd love to cook for you. And just for context, she doesn't normally cook. I'm normally the cook out of the partnership or she does like meal prep, but like cooking dinners, normally my thing. That's normally my jam. And she's like, baby, I'd love to cook for you. I'm like, oh, Awesome. Please go for it. And then I'm just chilling out. I think chilling on the couch, watching a movie or something like that. And I walk up to the kitchen because I thought I just want to help out because that's just in my nature. I like to help out. I walk up and we're having burgers and she's made me an egg and the egg's meant to be a fried egg and it looked like a scrambled egg and the egg was kind of fucked up. It, was a, it wasn't looking that great. And I said, hey, babe, like what's going on with this egg? Instantly got it. Like you could instantly see the trigger come in there. And obviously I'll get to the end soon, but she went into her wound straight away. And she, and this is generally what happens when they get triggered, you get triggered, then you're in your wounds and you're going at it. We've both gotten a lot better at being able to just be aware when each of us are in ours. Anyway, so we're going through and it's hard when you get triggered because you go into each other's triggers, but we've gotten a lot better at being aware when one person goes in and one person does. So I was aware of it straight away. I'm like, hey, babe, like, I'm sorry, but you're obviously a bit triggered right now. I'm sorry for that. And then I made things worse unconsciously. I was like, look, babe, let me take care of the avocado then. Like, I'll do this for you. I'll help you out with this to do this. And no, just let me do something nice for you. Like, there's obviously a bit of depth to where this is coming from. Anyways, we work through it. We have the food. And then once the dust is settled, so there's a couple parts to it. One, being aware of it, obviously, consciousness. Two, 
is helping your partner with whatever they need during, let's call it the event, while you're in the trigger, while you're in the the event of it, what does your partner need? Everyone's a little bit different. Some people need space and she doesn't because if I go give her space, she thinks I'm leaving her. It brings up other stuff. So it's asking like, what is it that you need? For me, she likes me just being present and even just touching her. So hand on her shoulder, hand on her leg. She just likes to be touched and to feel seen, okay? For like me, very, very big generalizing. So don't attack me anyone in the comments with this. But most guys, men want space. Most men do, okay? More often, it'll be women more so want the presence and the peace and the love and men want space to go solve their problems because they want to be able to solve their own shit because it makes them feel good enough, feel successful, they're a man, they're masculine, they're problem solvers. So again, very general just then, not always the case. And so once the dust is settled, essentially we're back to neutral, then you have the conversation, hey baby, look, I'm here for you. Do you need more space or presence or love right now? Or are you ready to start to do the work? What is it? And just asking that question, because some people take a bit longer, especially if you're newer to your healing journey, it'll take a little bit longer at the start. And then once, again, you're back to neutral, we're all good. So we're having our food. We've had the food. The food was amazing, by the way. G-Money, if you're listening to this, the food was amazing. Started chilling out. And I said like, hey, baby, just so I can understand, because we have a non-negotiable in our relationship that we heal through our stuff. And that's something that I would really encourage couples to adopt as well, is a non-negotiable that both partners are healing and consciously doing the work. Because say you get triggered, which is going to happen, that's normal, but you don't consciously decide to do anything about that trigger, it's going to happen again. The same thing's going to happen. And then it builds up and it builds up and it builds up. And that's where the explosions come and you leave, find another relationship, repeat, repeat. So we do have a rule, I guess, with both of us that when we do reveal something, we do consciously go do the work. Not perfect. I'm sure it'll get triggered again, but it should get less because you've done some processing, you've done some healing. So anyways, long story short, I just asked her, hey, baby, what's your way of healing? What's your way of processing through this? Everyone's got their ways. You can meditate. You can journal. You can go do a breathwork session. You can go get a Reiki healer. You can go get a therapist. You can go get a coach. You can go do a plant medicine ceremony. You, like, you can do whatever you want. I've got my ways. I'm a very analytical, head-heavy way. And breathwork, they're kind of my two. And plant medicine, they're kind of my three ways of doing things. That's how I like to do my stuff. So I've got a process where you go through and you specifically balance out what that process is and what that pain's coming from. For anyone that's gone down the Dr. John D. Martini rabbit hole, it's very, very similar to his. So it's actually finding specifically what's triggered you and what's the benefit of it. Like what's the benefit of being abused? What's the benefit of being isolated? What's the benefit of being anxious? What's the benefit of whatever it may be? So uh, as an example, I had a client and she was getting triggered a lot in her relationship. Again, she was a business owner, but we were doing relationship stuff again. And I said, well, what specifically is triggering you about this? And her car had broken down and her partner that she was seeing wouldn't come and help her. <laughs> I said, okay, well, what's specifically triggering you? It's not about the car. It's not about the engine. It's not about whatever it is. What specific action, inaction, or trait is triggering you? Feeling abandoned. Awesome. Where in your life have you experienced abandonment and it was really painful for you? Eyes went up. I said, what is it? Mum and dad. Great. What happened? What specifically happened? I was at school, had school rehearsal, whatever. They didn't show up. They weren't there for her. She felt lost, unseen, abandoned. I said, fantastic. Tell me, what's the benefit of being abandoned? And that's a hard question for most people. Most people won't ask that question because I don't see it's, a, it's something bad. No, it's not. It's exactly what's meant to happen. There's both sides so that you just don't see the other side. That's why it's bad. Can't have up without down, cold without hot, good without bad, whatever it may be. There's always simultaneously, instantaneously both. There's always both. So what's the benefit? Kept looking, kept looking. Anyways, to shorten up the story, a lot of strength, a lot of independence, 
Sorry, to get into that question, I said, Sarah, and I'm not Sarah, but I said, Sarah, what's some of your greatest traits and strengths to this day? She was a single, or she was kind of seeing someone, but a single mother of three, running her own business, turning over half a million bucks in profit per year, trains every single morning, very independent. Where do you think the independence has come from? And the dots started to align. The balance started to occur where she saw that that abandonment gave her independence. My Mm. social anxiety gifted me with social skills. I've got like a sixth sense, and I'm sure you will relate to this as well, Beck, where you can feel when people are not okay. You can Mm. feel when people are off. And most people can, but some people are just a little bit more hyper aware of it. That's why I am because I've experienced the pain of it. You get given or taught things through two ways. You get given what someone has or you get given what they don't. Mm. She was given independence because she got the opposite. But you know how I said life's happening for you, not to you? This is how you apply it. How can you see the strength from the weakness? How you can see the lesson from the hurt, the pain from the purpose, the wisdom from the wounds? How can you actually see that everything instantaneously is happening for you? This is where hindsight happens, right? Something happens. A day, a week, a month, a year, five years, 10 years, 20 years later, it finally hits. Fuck, I realize why this now happens. Why can't you have that in five minutes? With the right tools, you can. With the right awareness, you can. And we grow on the borderline of support and challenge. You need both. Too much support, you get weak. Too much challenge, you break. So you need both. How do you see that there always has been both? In that moment, there was both. But you just weren't aware of it because our emotions and our consciousness We're doing the best with what we've got, right? Like a seven-year-old is going to see things different to a 27-year-old. But with our consciousness, you're able to go back and rebalance those perceptions. So then you stop judging it. So then you stop attracting it. And that's the full cycle here. This is where you keep attracting those people to trigger the same things because you're judging it. Whatever you judge, you attract more of. Don't look for the yellow bus. You're looking for it. You're conscious of it. You're attracting it. Until you stop judging whatever it is, until she stops judging her parents... In that scenario, for abandoning her, she'll stop attracting people that make her feel abandoned. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole kind of whole full circle, which is, I guess, the work that I do. I love it. How do we stop judging our partners? That's a good question. So, see them through the eyes of a kid. So, remember, whenever we're triggered, or our traits or everything, the majority of it comes from childhood, right? So, mm-hmm. if they're getting triggered because they do something, ask, like... In your head, where's this person coming from? How old is the person I'm seeing right now? How old am I being right now when you're at your own triggers, right? Because I might be a seven-year-old girl. I'm speaking to the female audience. So say your partner, say they get triggered, maybe just asking them practically, how old were you when this happened? How old is this triggered version of my partner being, right? And I know you said judgment. That doesn't just mean triggers. So judgment is seeing a piece of you in them that you haven't learned to accept. So, we all express all traits. Every action, inaction, and trait, we all express them. You're a very nice, caring, loving person, Beck. You're also a bitch sometimes too, right? And we all have been. Beautiful. And so am I. I'm nice, giving, caring, loving. I'm also been an asshole as well. So, a good thing to ask. Again, I, I use my partner, Georgia. I'm, I'm not trying to slam her on podcasts or anything like that, but you just you do the work with your partner, and that's why she's just the mirror to me. So, like, this is a funny example. So, we're on a flight coming down to Sydney. I think we're coming to an event, a uh, self-development event. And we'll get on the plane and she's got a nice Louis Vuitton bag, beautiful bag. And she had to put it underneath the set. Uh, you know, when you take off, you put the bag underneath and someone had already taken her spot. Someone had put their stuff there. So there was no spot. And fair enough. She got a bit pissed about that. Fair enough. Yeah. She called the air hostess over and she's like, 
some people are so selfish and said it really judgmentally. And I looked at it, I'm like, babe, not now. We're not doing this right now. So anyways, it all happened and, and it is what it is. Ever since then, whenever she's selfish, I say it so loud and honestly with her. We're making food and she takes the last piece of bacon without offering it to me. Babe, that's very selfish of you for doing that, right? And I have since backed off doing that, but it's just the trait she saw in this person. She's done the same thing. Yeah. She does the same. So when you're judging someone, that's just one way of doing it. That's one way of balancing. One of the questions in the balancing process is what trait am I seeing or action in action? Mm-hmm. Where do I do the same thing? So mm-hmm. find specifically, what we do as human beings as well, we generalize. It's just not a good thing is you meet me once, Beck, like oh, that example before, and we piss each other off. I give you the finger, say, fuck you. If that was our first encounter, you've just painted me as a particular person. I'm probably just an asshole now. I'm just a dick. So everything I do, you see me through that lens, and we generalize a lot. I had a client once, and we we're doing a bit of balancing work, and she's like, I just hate this person. I said, what did they do? I hate them. They're just the worst person. Okay, well, what did they do to, for you to say this? They've just done so many things. Tell me specifically what they did. So like, he or she called me fat. Okay, what else did they do? Nothing, that's it. Okay, so this person is like the devil just from one thing. I said, well, so what's the trait? What would you call that? Being mean? Great. Where have you been mean in your life? Let's balance this out. Because remember, someone's perception of you is a projection of them. So when people are judging, there's a piece of you. <laughs> a funny, another final example for this question. I was driving my car. I was taking the dog for a walk. I was driving down to the dog park. And this person was like running a red light, but like really weird, like incrementally running a red light (laughs) and it was clearly red. And I was about to drive and like go in front of them. So like they had to stop, otherwise they're going to hit them. And they did stop, which was good. And I looked in and I probably was doing it in a judgmental frame. I was like, what the fuck is this person doing? I looked into the car and this lady loved like this most pissed off face you could picture giving me the finger. And it got me a little bit. I was like, what the fuck? And I was like, what are you doing? And I was like, what a blessing. What's, what, what am I looking at? Rude. Where have I been rude? I've been rude to my dad, to my parents, to my friends before. I've been rude before. Thank you for the blessing and I moved on. So whenever you judge someone, just understand that there's something that they're doing that you do as well. You haven't owned it and you haven't found the benefits to what they're doing. They're being rude. Great. They're giving you an opportunity to practice patience. They're giving you an opportunity to regulate your emotions. They ran late. Great. They gave you time to work on something else. I was driving. Someone came and cut me off right before they merged in. And my partner's like, what the hell? Why'd they do that? I'm like, baby, that person just gave us an extra 20 seconds to enjoy our ride together. That person just made me test my reflexes. And this is not just positive thinking. It's like finding the real benefits to what is happening because life is happening for you, not to you. Mm. Whenever I miss a flight or, you know, when you're on autopilot driving down the freeway and you forget to take your turn off, I always believe in those situations, if that ever happens, I'm like, God did not want me to get on that plane. Like I missed three flights to New York because they were oversold. And I was like, I was just not meant to be on those three flights. Sat in the airport all day. I love working from an airport. So I was like, I'm getting so much work down and I'll get on the flight that I'm meant to get on anyway. And for whatever reason, because we can get really frustrated, angry But maybe say I did get on the flight my personality wanted me to get on. Maybe I get hit by a bus as I walk across the street in New York City. Like I always believe that God is looking out for me. And if anything like that ever deters me from the path that I thought I was meant to be on, it's because God didn't want me walking there at that time. Absolutely agree. I had a small example last week. I was in Sydney last week for a podcast and my flight, I was like speeding to get there because I was running late to it. And it ran two and a half hours delays and you know how they delay it then they delay it then they delay it then they delay it and the next one was like an hour and a half gap like they pushed it back significantly and i was getting a bit pissed off i'm like fuck it's been a big day i want to go home so fuck this i'm like you know what 
here's an opportunity. So I was actually looking for other flights. Like maybe there's another flight on another company I can do. I walked past. I saw my best friend from high school that I hadn't seen in four years. And I went and I, man, what is like, man, my flight's been delayed. I'm like, man, we've got like an hour to catch up. And we caught up for an hour. I'm like, what a fucking gift, huh? A similar story to what you just said. That's amazing. All right. Last 10 minutes. You and your partner, your fiance, Georgia, are in an open relationship. Are you willing to share, I know that you said that you're open to diving into this, why you decided to choose that path for your relationship? Beautiful. That's a beautiful conversation. So, look, when I first, I had a lot of limits and beliefs around relationships to get started because of the upbringing I went through. Mum and dad were volatile to themselves. They were verbally, physically, mentally, emotionally abusive to each other. Uh, I come from a sporting background and I went to a very high prestige rugby league school so I was at part of the footy boys and my mates would have girlfriends and I would cheat on them every weekend and then lie to their face. And I hated that. So my perception of relationships was not great. And I was like, relationships equal pain. That was my first belief I had when I first got into the self-development world that I worked through. And the more I just looked into relationships, I'm a curious guy by nature. Like that's definitely a, a big trait for me. It's like I'm always questioning why, 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 why? And I just like kept looking at all the statistics of divorce, the statistics of unfulfillment in relationships and seeing friends, family members that just have, I guess, unfulfilled relationships. And something for me, I have quite a high sex drive. I have a lot of sexual energy. And for anyone that's in the energetics world, like that generally means that's a sign that you are quite a big healer because sexual energy is very healing energy. So a very highly sexually driven um, and had a lot of energy. And honestly, like I was just looking at the future. like, I just can't see myself being sexual with one person for the rest of my life. And you can call that a living sin belief if you want. That was just my curious nature going into it. And because I question everything, like question the government setups, question the religious setups, and cr- I just question everything. And it's like, where did this cookie cutter relationship come from? Religion, Adam and Eve, they come together, white picket fence, mortgage, retire, die, like fuck that. Like, I just didn't want to do that. Like, I like experiencing women and energy and sexual energy. I like to experience it. Why can't I do both? And then anyways, I was looking at books, podcasts, all that stuff. And I read a book and this was, fuck, this was about seven years ago. It's called The Way of the Ethical Slut. And it's very much about open relationships, different structures of relationships. And it just opened the mind. And this book's like, I don't know, 10 plus years old. And this is when it wasn't as, I guess, accepted as it is these days. And it just opened my mind to it. I was just like, why can't I just design the structured relationship that I want? Why can't I just have my cake and eat it to, to some degree? There's obviously upsides and downsides to doing, I guess, the style that we do. It forces more communication. It actually reveals more triggers so you can do more work on it. But yeah, we came together when I was 23. So I wasn't clear this is the type of relationship I must have and it must be this way. But I was definitely like looking into it. I was like asking questions, podcasts, books, etc. And when I met my now partner and fiance, I just asked, I said, hey, babe, like, look, just to be transparent with you, I'm not clear on exactly what it's going to look like, but this is something I'm very interested in. Another factor was between 18 and 24, I was like hustle, hustle, all work, no play, didn't go out partying, which is probably a good thing, but I didn't have much experiences with other women and I wanted to do that. That was something that was on my, I guess, my bucket list to go experience other people and energetics because I'm a very energetic person. Then I said, look, this is just something I want to explore later. Is that something that you're open to exploring? I didn't say we have to do things every week, every fortnight, every month or anything like that back then. I just I just want to explore it. Is that something you're open to? And then I guess just through the journey of going through it with her, we just started leaning into it, meeting up with people, meeting up with different communities, connecting with people, obviously having experiences with other couples and individuals is what we do. So just something I encourage people to 
look into is when they hear like open relationship, generally like, the idea is that you just think it's one way. Like they're probably just sleeping with all these other people, whatever, five different wives, three different partners. It's not the case. You can have whatever structure you want. You can make your own relationship, whatever you want it to be. So what we do is we have fun together with other couples and singles together at this point. We have discussed, hey, look, do you think we'll ever get to a point where we'll be comfortable enough and trusting enough where we could have fun with other people individually? I said, I'm open to it. I'm not there yet personally. And she said, yeah, I'm definitely open to it, but I'm still not there yet either. And it's just an evolving door. The more you work on your shit, the more you trust each other, the more experiences we've had. I think we've had about six experiences with either singles or couples, every time we do it, we get closer together. We debrief beforehand, we pre-brief beforehand, we debrief afterwards. We're very picky with the people that we invite into our relationship because the relationship comes first, by the way. I see people, mainly guys that kind of con their partner into doing it for their own benefit, where they only bring women into the picture just so they can have it, but they won't have it the other way. No right or wrong with that. That might be what they truly want. But yeah, it does force a lot of growth, but it opens you up to more experiences. It opens you up to I know this sounds so shitty as an example, but it's like having the same ice cream flavor for the rest of your life. Nothing wrong if it's your favorite ice cream flavor, but don't you want to try other ones from time to time? Doesn't mean you don't love the one that you love, but it's good to have different experiences. Because if you look into divorce rates and if you would actually uncover the lack of satisfaction people have in the bedroom and the lack of desires that haven't been explored, is that maybe adding to the divorce rate? And those are the questions I asked myself and that's what led us down here. And yeah, that's, I guess, led to the relationship that we have now. And we love it. It's awesome. We explore more. We open up more. And um, yeah, we've never been closer since doing it. Mm, and what I'm hearing is it wasn't an I feel unfulfilled with you, so let's make a last-ditch effort to invite a unicorn into the bedroom with us. It was our relationship container is the most important part. And this is actually going to create deeper connection for the two of us in relation to each other versus we have unmet needs. Let's try and uh, source them elsewhere to save the relationship. Yes, absolutely. And you said that so fucking great. So George has found a gentleman that sh- she wants to bring in and she's like, baby, are you open to this person? And I checked him out. I'm straight personally, but I just energetically want to make sure it's someone that I trust as well to bring into it. And I said, baby, like, yeah, I've got no problem with this person. Just be honest, though, in this sort of chapter of our life, like I just want to do a little bit more work with us personally. I feel like we're not as close as I want to be to do that now. Like we haven't had one with anyone for about three months and we're busy. Like we got shit on, we got business on. It's not like we're scheduling this shit in every week, every month. It's like when it comes around, it comes around and it's it's nice. There's definitely desires when we want to explore them, we explore them and we talk about them openly together. But the relationship comes first. This is not you get our jail free card to try fix the relationship. It's not going to fix the relationship. You got to work together. You got to work through your shit. You got to work through all the stuff that we spoke about earlier in this podcast and actually work through this stuff together. Like a marriage is not going to save your relationship. A baby is not. A mortgage is not. A threesome is not. There's not a wild card to saving. If there's work to be done, that's the most important priority before we ever think of any kind of band-aid that you could slap on top temporarily. In fact, if anything, the band-aid, I really believe, is only going to create more problem on the other side of using that tool. Like a baby, two people that actually don't love each other and aren't meant to be together. A mortgage with someone you don't want to have a mortgage with. 100%. And I know this is my Asperger's way of thinking. Me and my partner, we're open about this. So, baby, if I treat you poorly or if I'm the wrong person for you, please tell me. I'm open enough to communicate and heal through that and work through it and vice versa i see people doing i'm like fuck that like it's just kicking the can down the road but the can gets bigger and the problem gets bigger now you've got mortgages you've got kids you've got legal fucking shit to deal with it's like fuck that just 
communicate openly, be honest about your needs, wants, desires, and vision for your relationship. What are your expectations? Communicate in a healthy way. Heal through your shit together. And if you're not the right fit, you're not the right fit. Like it is what it is. The hard, courageous thing now instead of avoiding it because it actually makes your life fucking easier in the long run. Yeah, 100%. The hard thing is so much easier than not doing the hard thing. Yeah, I think it's one of the Stoics quotes or from Ryan Holiday. It says, if you want your life to be easy, do what's hard. If you want your life to be hard, do what's easy. So it's just, yeah, you've got that decision. You can have the tough conversation or you can bottle it up and sweep it under the rug and later on it's going to explode in your face and it's mm. going to be a lot worse than just having that chat then and there. Mm. Lois, I could literally chew your ears off all day long. I always ask every guest the same final question. Lewis Huckstep, what does it mean to you to be raw, real and vulnerable in your own life? Beautiful question. I just think it's just been authentic. Like it's just been you. Like we we get caught up with the ego of who we need to be to be successful. We need to look a certain way, have a certain body, have certain money, certain cars. All that's just ego. I like the statue of David quote that uh, Michelangelo had. He made the statue of David. Someone asked him what he did. He said, David was always there in the statue. I just had to remove everything that wasn't him. So it's been able to unlearn and remove the things that you're not, which is your traumas, your limited beliefs, your conditioning, and just being fucking yourself. Be authentic. Be real. You have upsides. Show them. Like Things are only bad because you have that judgment towards it that it's bad. Shame is only there because it's in the dark. Like If you're light on it, there's nothing to be shameful about. And that's something you do. That's like the ultimate version of you. You're such an embodiment of what I just said. So um, yeah, be authentic. Like Show your ups, show your downs, and just do what you fucking love. Fuck yes, I love it. If anyone would love to make their way into your world, Lewis, where do they find you? Uh, just Lewis Huckstep on most socials. I'm most active on Instagram if you want to talk to me personally. I do have a team that does other stuff on other platforms, but if you actually want to send me a DM, uh, Instagram would be best. I'll probably link LinkedIn. I've been using LinkedIn a bit more uh, recently. So Instagram, LinkedIn. I do have a website. It's pretty dodgy though, so don't check it out just yet. I'm still working on it. So uh, Instagram for now, and then maybe in the future, the website will look better. You're amazing. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you're desiring more from me right now, firstly, I love your eagerness. And secondly, let's make it happen. Check out the link in my show notes where you can receive more information on my books, breakthroughs, online webinars, all upcoming courses and programs, and how you can get started on your journey within my world today. I can't wait to be back in your ears next week. And trust me, you won't want to miss this episode.